This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we're covering Season 3, Episode 7, The Ricklantis Mix-Up. Here's Aaron with the recap. Rick and Morty go on an adventure to Atlantis to smash some mermaid puss, but that storyline gets hijacked by Tales from the Citadel, giving a chance to revisit the Citadel since Rick nearly destroyed it in the season opener. And it's in rough shape. The Council of Ricks has been overthrown, and new democratic elections are now taking place. Various Ricks are running for office, offering different solutions to the problems of wealth and status inequality amongst fundamentally equal citizens, not to mention what to do about the growing population of Rickless Mortys. One Dark Horse candidate is a Morty himself, and goes from joke candidate to winner of the election. A new day dawns on the Citadel, one that promises a chance of mutual respect, peace, and love among Mortys and Ricks alike. But the newly elected President Morty is revealed to be Evil Morty from Season 1, whose exact history and motivations remain unclear. He quickly moves to consolidate power by executing any Rick or Morty who opposes his path. Our Rick and Morty remain blissfully unaware of these events, or their potential dire consequences. All right, Jim. Season 3, Episode 7, The Rick Lantis Mix-Up, a.k.a. Tales from the Citadel. What'd you think? Uh, I thought it was great. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's an adventure without our Rick and Morty, but we get so many Ricks and so many Mortys that I'm not even bummed. Uh, also, this this is going to be an interesting conversation because this is the episode that brings together like all the things that are currently tearing our society apart, mm-hmm. <laughs> which means... All geez, we're not going to get out of this one without getting political. So, uh, strap in, strap yeah. in. Yeah, um, but it also managed to be really funny too. Oh yeah, and there's like four or five different self-contained storylines that I feel are completely realized, and they all take place in like 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really an amazing example of just good storytelling and also smart storytelling because at this point in Rick and Morty's history. There's so many foundational building blocks of like, you know, lore and the world and these characters that they can this 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 gives them all that foundation gives them this episode to just let fly because they don't have to explain mm-hmm. the they don't have to explain the the class system between Rick's and Morty's. Um, they don't really have to explain the class system between Ricks themselves because this is all stuff that they've established and, you know, how Rick feels about the Council of Ricks and the Citadel of Ricks is kind of yeah. we take that knowledge into it and. Man, it's also just really, really funny to various crazy combinations of Ricks. Uh, yeah. I, I it, really like Rick 716, uh, A, B, and C. Oh, like, yeah, the news reporters. Yeah, yeah 716A is just Rick. Uh, B has got a scar running on his face, uh, and C is just completely the left side of his face is <laughs> fucked up. And, that guy. And he's like, uh, when uh, cra- the Rick goes crazy at the factory, he's like, my advice, appreciate the life you have, because it could always be worse. <laughs> I'm waiting to see D. 
Yeah. 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 Well, D's the one that just uh, is outside the survival envelope. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He was one more centimeter to the left. That's the thing. It, it takes, you know, some adversity to appreciate adversity, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I love the training day stuff, uh, like all the really weirded coded language. Like, uh, it's got this uh, election's got the yellow shirts more riled up than picture day Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that the cop, Morty, you know, is trying to relate to the teenage well i guess they're all teenagers the gangster mortys and he's like hey <laughs> oh, guys, guys. I gotta try to it's trying to solve this mystery oh geez like oh geez it really sucks that your rick's making you do this he's my partner not my rick oh geez i fucking <laughs> love that shit fat one of the mortys is fat morty and then he's like uh, he has this kind of sad aside it's like oh, i thought i was left-handed morty <laughs> maybe you should use your left hand to eat more vegetables then <laughs> Uh, it's mean, but it's, it's mean, funny. but it's it's really funny. My, my actual favorite joke in this entire episode mm-hmm. is the one where they're walking out of that room uh, in the the portal fluid uh, underground portal fluid house, mm-hmm. and Rick asks what the crib is for. Yeah, and Morty's just like, oh, they make Morty's sleep in the cribs to make him feel bad. Yeah, it's just like this throwaway thing that yeah yeah yeah. It's just so Rick. It's so fucking Rick. Right. <laughs> to do that to a poor Morty. I okay. I I think we have a different interpretation of this. I think that he's saying that the Mortys put cribs in their rooms just on the off chance that when cops come in to bust them, they look even more innocent and childlike. Oh, it's like a psychological a countermeasure. Okay, to play on the sympathies of Rick cops. I thought it was something Rick's made the Mortys do, but it, you're right. They're in the Morty district, right? Right. So. But it's also funny either way. Um, yeah. Like yeah. if it's like the grant because. Also, the 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 portal fluid grandpa is uh, I don't know. He seems like he's like the submissive or subservient. Yeah, yeah. He's like uh, yeah, borderline enslaved by these parties. Okay. But yeah, it's uh, there's just uh, so many visual gags they pack in this episode. It does. It feels like it's a two hour se- se- sequence of of movies. And, and I love the opening sequence too. Oh God, it's yeah. Just, it's so intricate. Like the animation is great. Um, it really evokes this vibe of like going to this place and this time uh and and that that joe walsh song uh in the city is like perfect for it yeah so is it actually the joe walsh song what yeah what do you mean (laughs) because i swear to god i thought this like i i I buy i figured it was like a pop song but i also figured it was like a cover that like Je- this was this was Royland. <laughs> no, it sounds like he's doing he just a fucking has a weird, bit. Joe Walsh just has a weird voice. Oh my god! It's not, oh my no, god! It is not Justin Royland. Even though you're, I can absolutely see why you would say that. Worlds, yeah. I just thought he was doing like yo somewhere poopy buttholes. It's <laughs> it's just something the, he would do. That's the uh, infamous fourth and cut verse mm. from that song. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get right into the setup here um, because. As you said, the uh, the montage is brilliant, not just because it effortlessly kind of sells this new setting of this kind of uh, mm-hmm. um, the the citadel in transition, but also it, like a dark Jetsons esque sort of place, right? Yeah, but it, and also yeah, it shows that like the, you got the the have Ricks and the have not Ricks, yeah, um, and the the it establishes like you know the the desperate situation in Morty Town going on. Um, Let's talk about the training day sequence uh, first. So you've got a Rick that in the montage has just graduated from Police Rick Academy, mm-hmm. and he's assigned a uh, hard-boiled Morty policeman. 
and apparently this is you know there's there's a lot of like you know parallels you can draw to like you know white cops and black cops but I, what I think is really funny is the fact that Morty is like you know chubby, overweight. He's got like a little bit of a cop haircut. I I can't stand the way cop Morty looks. I, yeah, it's awful. It's very off putting. Yes, it's very off putting. But it's that's what makes this episode work. Is that there's no fucking reason why this Morty should feel this way, or look this way, uh, carry <laughs> on this way as it did uh-huh. any other Morty, but he does. Which I guess is that a commentary on us as people. That, like, we're all just up-jumped monkeys, mm-hmm. and yet look at all the different ver- varieties of empathy and intellect and education and conclusions one draws from all of those things. Uh, yeah, and, like, and and the, I think one of the things that this is trying to get at is sort of square pegs in a round hole mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these these... All of these Mortys, because he's like the only Morty we see with any real agency, right? Maybe him and the gangster Morty, but he's underground. True. So the only agency within this society, uh, the society structure, mm-hmm. I don't know why he became a cop. I don't know how he became a cop. Right. Because it doesn't seem like Mortys are allowed that freedom yeah. in most cases. But yeah, like clearly you can see that not all Mortys are made to be Mortys and not all Ricks are made to be Ricks. Yeah. And we see a lot of like law enforcement Ricks, but he's the only like law enforcement Morty. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, and they have, like, you can also tell that, like, there is a story that the Citadel tells about itself, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, codified or which is illuminated through the different, like, rules and regulations that, you know, tr- uh, Rookie Rick states that, like, oh, you can't just do that. Or it's like, hey, it sucks. They see a Morty running down other Mortys like that. And, you know, uh, Cop Morty alludes to, oh, looks like you bought into your sensitivity training, yeah. and it's going to be something that gets you killed. It's just, it's like the shield, right? Yeah, or Amer- like the gap between America's principles and ideals and our interests mm-hmm. and actual actions. You know, the things we, the stories we tell ourselves versus the the actions we actually make. I think, yeah, uh, there, there's a there's a lot of commentary in there. Um, and his like, you know, Quat Morty's opinion that uh, these guys are raised to be sidekicks, and without a side, they just start kicking. <laughs> That's a good line. Uh, the also like they're interviewing the one of the shopkeep Mortys to try to figure out, uh, you know, who who, com- who committed this crime, and it's like, oh, it's just four normal Mortys, and there's a like a purple Morty with an elephant trunk in the background. Mm-hmm. I was like, normal, and the shopkeeper Morty's like, save it for your blog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a theory. Okay. Because the next thing they go is they're they're investigating this uh, these Mortys that are making yeah. uh, underground bootleg portal fluid. Mm-hmm. That implies that portal fluid is tightly controlled in the Citadel. Yeah. And I'm wondering if um, they're suggesting that like the reason these Ricks aren't all equal and there are haves and haves nots is because like uh, in one of the f- very first meetings of the Citadel, there's probably like, hey, you know. What could cause a lot of a lot of shit to go down at the Citadel if we all just kind of portal willy nilly and invade each other's dimensions? Mm-hmm. We have to set some rules and regulations. And first step is you can't just portal whenever you want. And that like that little thing was the first thing that led down to like control of the thing. And now it's like if a Rick wants to have an interdimensional adventure, what does he got to do? Does he got to punch a clock? Does he have to do a certain amount of community yeah. service to the Citadel? Is that even allowed or is that held for the upper class alone? And then there's a few Ricks that see a percentage and getting some more portal fluid in the self and it's like that's... Well, that's the thing. I mean, could this be some sort of way to control even like uh, C-137 Rick, right? Because if they can right. obtain and control all the portal fluid, that would how limit stop... his accessibility. 
his but accessibility it, but, to them, right? It's almost about how do they get Rick? How do they get Rick into the system in the first place? And it's almost like um, that that they're. It's a very anarchist kind of viewpoint that like if you participate in society. You know, because that's because that's the, the these Ricks have made the same deal that we all have. Like um, mm-hmm. even going back to us ditching hunting gathering where we could all just kind of laze around in loose collections of our friends and family. And like once a week <laughs> we hunt the mammoth and we eat off that thing and we're just fucking and making art and cave painting and all that stuff. In the meantime, then we go to agricultural where we sacrifice all this massive freedom and we live in these big collections of people. But we're not as uh, susceptible to famines and droughts and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. we, we, the history of humanity is one of trading individual freedoms uh, for collective communal success. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not immediately obvious that like the Ricks and the Citadel have made the wrong choice. They've banded together against common foes to get more stability in their life. But it's almost like there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is the way things are being divided. Yeah. That and the extremes to which that concept is taken. Mm. I think like there's a, there's a tipping point, I think where you've gone too far in one direction. Right. Right. And that the, the, you know, communal aspect of it doesn't benefit anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, because like you said, maybe the inequality is such that it's only benefiting a few people and then everybody else is getting screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's all over this episode. The other thing about controlling, potentially controlling this portal fluid is it's not just that Rick wants to go on adventures, right? It's that portal fluid is the thing that enables him to do that mm. and probably enables him to do a lot of the things he does. Because, you know, you, he goes and gets mega seeds, right, to do this fucking project. He goes and gets something from a, some other dimension. Most of his stuff probably comes from other dimensions or at mm. least the ability to travel to, like, other planets without that portal fluid he's much easier to oppress. Right. Right. He's much easier to, yeah, to subserviate. All those Ricks on the factory line of simple Rick. Like, look how quickly Rick got right. bored of his devil decursing thing and has immediately burned it all down. Like, any one of those yeah. Ricks is like, this fucking sucks. Portal gun, bloop, I'm gone. The whole economy collapses. Uh-huh. So they have to make Ricks uh, and and there is like a, and that's one of the things the simple Rick is the the simple Rick worker is shouting is like you know they they told us we were all special because we're Ricks and then they took away all the things that made us unique yeah aka the Which portal, the portal fluid yeah I think you're onto something interesting um so this is just uh, all goes down there's another kind of plot where it's like uh cop Morty is kind of touched by uh cop Rick's uh feelings towards Morty's and how he feel you know he's like uh. He's like, there's nothing wrong with putting your faith in Morty's. You just got to put your faith in the right one. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that uh, cop cop Morty has just, has just executed, liquidated all of these 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 uh, teen gang. Why do you keep calling them teen gangs? They're they're all teen gangsters. <laughs> right. or they're all teen cops. Every time you hear Morty, the uh, teenagers implied, but the fuck, the teen ATM strippers. Mm, that's yeah. Mm. These teen teen mo- uh, the more well, it's 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 called the creepy Morty. It's not yeah. called the uh, socially acceptable <laughs> sexual interest Morty. Now Fair. is it? Uh, I thought it was just creepy because they were all Mortys, but there's another layer, yeah. But they play about that, like when 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 uh, Morty does that and it destroys the building, like Cop Rick's like, what the hell happens? Like, same old story, it's Morty's killing Mortys. Mm. Then at the end, it's inverted because Rick, the Cop Rick does find like a moral, like, here's my floor. I'm not going to take money from criminals. I'm, you know, it's like, maybe you're right about the, how fucking crazy Mortys are, but this is a line too far. He ends up in killing him. And then, you know, at the end, he's like, same old story, Rick's killing Mortys. But that 
story gets turned on its head when he gets freed because he's like, I've violated every policy in the rule book. He's like, there's new policies and new procedures because of the new president, Morty. Uh, before we move on to simple Rick stuff, which we've kind of already <laughs> touched on, is there anything else that we've, any other juice we've left unsqueezed here? And I mean, then it becomes Morty's killing Rick's right at the end. It's, yeah. I mean, the, 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 every combination is there. Yeah. Every rock, paper, scissors yeah. scenario involving Rick's and Morty's and or Morty's has, has been satisfied. Uh, simple Rick factory. Interesting concept. They mm-hmm. have a wafer. You know, at, at some point of the central finite curve, there's a Rick that said, fuck all this. I just want I've uh, the love of my daughter is all I need. And he's the happy Rick. Mm-hmm. And they've captured this Rick and make him live that moment over and over again and squeeze the juice out of his brain and put it on these cookies that other Ricks consume. Yeah. Uh, I have to. The, the number one question I have is who eats these cookies? All the Ricks, all the under Ricks, all the half not Ricks? Ricks, so they can feel what it's like. And you know what? I bet there's a lot of the have Ricks that eat these to sleep at night, so that they can feel justified <laughs> and secure in the fact that they're oppressing their fellow Ricks. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's like it's this is the perfect product. It appeals to every fucking Rick. No matter what your situation for, do you want your? It's, I guess it's kind of like cocaine. So, so you're poor people is, love cocaine, rich people love cocaine. Uh, this is like a Brave New World sort of medicated, like uh, underclass of Ricks, is what you're saying. Like they're medicated by the secretions of of that Rick's brain. Yeah, and I wonder if they're saying something in evolution of this because, like, maybe simple Rick's not selling so much anymore because the dream that the Citadel is trying to sell you, everyone's seeing is 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 bankrupt. So mm-hmm. now you want the, f- the Rick freedom. freedom Select because, and, and that's the thing, co-opting the rebellion. I mean, that is any any motherfucker who's wearing a Che Guevara T-shirt, right. is part of this. Yeah. Like that, that's just what happens. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the rebellion is successful, but then it's co-opted into some other shit yeah. that's just used to oppress and 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 make money for the rich people. Like, ah, uh, ah, uh, it's it's a microcosm in this show, but it's yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Stand By Me, Stand By Morty plotline, where you have all these Rickless bastards uh, being re-educated to, to get assigned to new Ricks. Um, there's a couple of funny things, like there's a, you know, Professor, Professor Snape's Rick is the one that's kind of teaching them, and they're all very vaguely Hogwarts. Uh, mm-hmm. My question is... Tall Morty. Tall, tall <laughs> Morty. Yeah, Tall Morty, which is just a really, is an actual dumb doofus Rick, as opposed uh-huh. to the doofus Rick who's just a nice, kind person. Uh, my question is, why, what's this, this is the one thing that I don't understand what it has to do with the episode at large. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's just, is it just to have like the stand by me kind of like reference or... That's a good question, because uh, at the end, I mean the, the, well, I mean you got Moody Morty. I don't, I don't know what to call him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pomade Morty. I, what do you call this? Drama guy? Chip Morty. Drama Chip Morty. Yeah, that's good. Uh, his whole thing is kind of just, you know, how none of this matters. None of this is like, like your wishes aren't going to come true. Everything is shit. And I feel like it's a of a piece with hmm. the way that the sort of the underclass of Rick would feel, but. I'm not I'm not able to put together that connection. Yeah, maybe because like they're all showing facets of so you've got like extremist Mortys like uh, the cop Morty Mm -hmm. and you've got extremist obviously Rick's which is like a lot of them but 
like are is this supposed to stand for the everyday Morty in the exact same way that like the simple Rick plotline is supposed to stand for the everyday Rick, like the down on the luck, yeah. the the depressed, the tr- uh, disadvantaged, underprivileged Rick in the factory who's balding, losing his hair, and these Mortys who don't have Ricks and who are underrepresented and have no power, mm-hmm. individual power, uh, to the fact that they're 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 suicidal. I mean, I'll, but. Maybe that's it to show that like it's desperate on both sides of this aisle. Um, yeah, I mean, I for sure I think that's one of the things they're going for. Is it true that these Mortys don't have Ricks or that they've been separated from their Ricks? Because I assume I think these are many all of the, the underclass of Ricks mm-hmm. would be the Ricks for these Mortys. I I interpreted it as that these were the Mortys that survived from the. Evil all Rick and Evil Morty assassinating their Ricks and stealing their hmm. Mortys. Like you know, had all those this uh-huh. massive Rick, Mortys loaded on those transports. Yep. So like you've just got like a sudden. Like, it, there's probably no. But shortage where did all these of, Ricks come from? I guess like they would necessarily be separated from. Oh, are yeah, are these also right. all the Ricks? Because all those Ricks were killed, right? Yeah, you're right. Huh? Because you seem like maybe is there like a Morty daycare? Or is that? Huh. Yeah, it, and it's, whole, it's entirely possible that it's both. Because the thing is, is I thought Morty Town was where all the Rickless bastards went. Yeah. But maybe those are just the flunk outs of Rick School. And also, like that's the other <laughs> thing is like there's a fundamental unfairness because there's not enough. There's not a. There's not ever going to be enough another Rick for every Morty. Right. But they make these Mortys feel like failures because mm-hmm. there's not enough Rick to go around. Yeah. So like, it's only the very exceptional Mortys that get to reassign another Rick. Mm-hmm. Um. But not everyone can be so. Like, if you fail out of of Rick School, then you land in Morty Town, and you're told that you're the, you're your own problem, and that doesn't yeah. seem to go well throughout human history either. Uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, th- this is the plot that I wasn't quite for sure on, but uh, because it's like it, nothing matters. He throws himself in a portal to get a wish um, that you know the Mortys you know had had something to live for, um, mm-hmm. and and slick. I guess it's slick Morty is his name. His wish came true, but it didn't really. I mean, it had nothing to do with the main plot. It's just all coincidental. Right. Uh, which leaves us to talk about the election plot line uh, that after the Council of Ricks has been violently deposed, uh, the new Ricks got together and decided to democratically elect their leaders. And there's a lot of I, I like uh the the debate where they had like juggling Rick, they've got uh, former respected General Rick. You've got is there like a Herman Cain rent too damn high? The, yeah, there's a rent that, too damn high yeah. Rick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then they, they all kind of essentially fart on the Morty candidate, but the Morty candidate's the one that's kind of um, got this populist bent. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, the division I the only division I see is between the Rick and Mortys, the like the Citadel divided and the rest of us. And he talks, you know, he he talks about obviously uh, issues that Morty's would be sympathized with, but he also shows empathy for for worker Ricks who are making a fraction of what their boss Ricks have, despite literally being identical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see there's a deep throat Rick, which I'm wondering if we'll ever find out more about him. Uh, gives the the campaign manager for the Morty candidate a file full of secrets, implying that you know he is evil Morty. We don't really know what all that means, but it causes him to assassinate the Morty candidate, um, who surges to a the top of a, a popularity, wins the election, um, and there's another scene where you have all these. 
So you've got the Citadel of Ricks that was the act, the power of the Citadel, but then you got the power behind the Citadel, which looks like you've got like a oh a chic Rick, you've got uh-huh. a fashion mogul Rick, you've got Steve Jobs Rick. They're mm-hmm. all these like titans of industry in that the world. Willy Wonka Candy Factory Rick is yep. one of them, and they're they're all like, we don't care who sits in that chair, a Rick, a Morty, a goddamn Jerry, <laughs> which I thought was a really, really funny, yeah, a really funny joke. Um, and then Morty say, "Oh, is, that, is everybody are, feel are that?" Some of the Ricks in the room potentially not going to get that joke. Because what if you got like, a, was it Gene? What what was the other? Well, they probably. It seems like ev. Well, that's 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 a great question. Do you need a Jerry and a Beth to make a Morty? I guess is the question. I guess you do. So like the central finite curve excludes anything that, that any uh, reality where a Beth didn't adopt a Jerry. You think they would be okay. the, like yeah. where, where? I've always wondered this. Where are the Ricks with the Beth and they're like. A superpower. I mean, it's simple, Rick, right? You well, uh, maybe that implies like you just can't. If if they ever had a happy upbringing, then Rick doesn't become, yeah, Rick with a capital. I bet he doesn't have a Morty. Huh. That's see. That's I. I love exploring the concept of the central <laughs> finite curve. Like, what right. does that mean? Does because like you're right. If if he's happy with with Beth, I'm thinking of like a dark version of that where like Rick's a shitty father, but Beth becomes you know equally brilliant mad scientist, and uh-huh. they either team up or they're fighting or something. But you're right. Like if he either had a good relationship with her, in which that <laughs> right. didn't happen, then maybe she doesn't go to Jerry. Yeah. Which she turned. Yeah. Huh. There, there are a lot of ways that, that a Morty does not get produced from that equation. Right. Uh, right. Simple uh, Rick's one. Yeah, and I wonder if they'll explore that, like, if there's the fringe, like, right on the cutoff of that central finite curve where it gets fringy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where where where, where does the, the Mortius Morty and the Rickus Rick fall into that line, too? Um, but I cut you off. You were going to talk more, no, no, more so about he, the No, no, so he assassinates scene. all those Ricks that stand in his way and, like, how, cows the rest into obedience. And he says, it's enough about speeches and, and campaigning. Now it's time for action. And they have this montage of all of the, the Mortys that have been killed in this. And they imply that it's all related to this plot. And the evil Morty is expunging all this evidence. And we see this dossier that reveals that this President Morty is, in fact, the evil Morty. They play the evil Morty music. It's all fascinating and amazing. Yep. We still have no fucking clue what the overarching plan is. And that's the thing that gets me about this ending. Because I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, this is a fascist populist president mm-hmm. uh n- no relation to our current president um but he you know did i i think like the means by which you attain power is not as important as what you do with it but certainly important yeah and so for him to come in here and just assassinate you know the the ruling class here uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. I guess the real question, but, but though... But the ruling Ricks are not good entities either. He could be a freedom yeah. fighter. He could be, and that's that's the number one question. What does he do next? Because mm-hmm. he's clearly... Like, this society was an oppressive one for the vast majority of Ricks and Mortys, and he has torn that down, right? He's he's closed the schools. He's, like, closed the factories. Like, all that stuff is no more. What's he going to do now? Because you need a solution. You need schools. You need jobs. You need something for these Ricks and Mortys to do. What's his solution? It's a damn good thing we're having Gus Stavo from Rooster Teeth on to talk about all the the, the evil Morty theories <laughs> yeah. uh, to explore. <laughs> a 
After this short break, we'll be talking to the host of the Rooster Teeth podcast, Gustavo Sarola, as we break down all the best evil Morty theories of the internet. We'll be right back. Before we continue the podcast, a little bit of bald move housekeeping. Last Friday, Netflix released Vince Gilligan, directed and written El Camino, a little Breaking Bad epilogue for one Jesse Pinkman. As you probably know, we have every single second of Breaking Bad footage podcasted for posterity, so you know we had to gear up for one last ride with Jesse. That podcast dropped this Monday, so if you're jonesing for some of that old school Breaking Bad meth, give it a snort or a smoke, you know, whatever. The American Horror Story Season 9, 1984 season continues. Cecily and I are covering that. It's honestly on an epic, uh, unprecedented run of awesomeness. If you like 1980 slasher uh, films, if you have nostalgia for 80s horror, I really encourage you to check it out. The great thing about American Horror is you can just jump in whenever because it's all uh, it's all an anthology. So if that sounds like a good time, check that out on the American Horror Story podcast feed. Jim and I are also breaking down the deuce, David Simon's love letter to 70s and 80s pornography. Not really. Uh, it's it's like The Wire's is love letter to the Baltimore drug trade. Uh, anyway, we're covering that final season. Every episode's released, released on Wednesday. It's an amazing television show. Mr. Robot's coming back, coming back strong. And we've got the final season coverage with episodes also released on Wednesdays. Cecil and I are also doing this thing we call the Cinematic Spooktacular over on the Bald Movies feed. Uh, this is the third one that we've done. Uh, we're subtitling it The Search for Spook. We had the first one drop last week. Another one will come out on October 20th. And then the final one, October 30th, Halloween Eve. On the Bald Movies feed, we're also covering Zombieland 2 Double Tap this week. And finally, we have a new feature. We just crossed a major milestone. Five years of lunches with Jim and Aaron for our club members. And to celebrate every Thursday, we're releasing a lunch out of that archive for free to the public, which we're calling Lunch with Jim and Aaron Reheated. If you've ever been curious about what a lunch is all about, check it out. Plus, it's a fun little window in Bald Move history. I used to have hair. Kind of on top of my head. I was trying. Uh, check that out in on uh, baldmove.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Gustavo is an OG, straight-up founder of Rooster Teeth, the studio behind Red vs. Blue, which I was just informed is the second longest-running sci-fi series of all time behind Doctor Who. Aside from voicing Captain Dick Simmons, he also hosts the weekly and fabulous Rooster Teeth podcast. You can follow his whole deal at Sorola on Twitter, Gustavo, welcome to the podcast. Hello. We were actually talking and you said that you, you know, don't, don't fact check this or anything, but it's the second longest running science fiction series in the world, uh, barring Doctor Who. Yeah, and they took a really long break. So really, honestly, I don't think it counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I guess uh, if, 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 you, if you don't count break, Star Trek's probably got its hat in that ring. It's communicator in that transporter beam as well. Well, technically, you have original series and next generation. So we're talking 
two oh, different things true. here. They're not. That's not a continuous series. Yeah. yeah, we've been going. We just we've done uh, 17 seasons of Red versus Blue now so far. Uh, we started in 03, so we've been doing it for uh, just over 16 years now. What's your strategy for dethroning Doctor Who? Just keep making it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll, we'll we'll take like a a thirty year long break and then we'll come back. <laughs> I was gonna say you, you need that's fine, but I think you also need to add a, Machia- a Machiavellian plan to kind of uh, undermine the the who work that's been going on over there on the Beeb. That's true. We'll, we need to get a, an inside uh, inside worker over there, kind of bring him down from the inside. Get an evil Gus in there, mm-hmm. an evil Gustavo. Yes, yeah. even well, we've more already had, evil. I mean, honestly, TV's had we've we've already had one notable evil Gus. That's true. On Breaking Bad, so you have oh, to yeah, evil yeah. him. So it was a uh, yeah. That's uh, the the one time there's been another Gustavo on TV. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty honored. It was uh, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us about your history with Rick and Morty, Gustavo. Like when you kind of were aware of it. Did you were you an early adopter, late adopter? Your kind of thoughts on the franchise, and we'll go from there. I, I came in a little late to the series. I was aware that you know it was popular. And I think it was actually my wife who convinced me to, to give it a shot. Uh, she watched the uh, the Meeseeks episode, and uh, she said, "You know, she watched it. She said, you know, I think this is a show you would really like. She's like, you at least give the Meeseeks episode a shot.' So I watched it, and uh, yeah, I thought it was great. And I think it was right after that aired, and then I went and I watched you know the other episodes that were available at the time, and that's when I really um, started watching the show and. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. I watch it. Uh, I, I watch it quite a bit. Whenever I see you know they're playing a rerun, I'll always I'll always put it on. Yeah. Uh, do you have like a particular favorite episode or a favorite uh, favorite character? My favorite episode actually is the Rick Lannis mix up. Um, well, uh, there you go. Which is uh, which is very fortunate, I think. <laughs> what about it? Is it? Do you like just the like the 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 myth arc hooks? That's like yeah, you know yeah. the evil Morty and the continuity, or just like yeah, uh, I- the training day. Uh, day in the life of the Citadel aspect. What's what's what what speaks to you about it? I, I like that you know it it does more than just kind of scratch the surface of uh, of this universe and shows you know the depth of everything that's there. Because before I think we'd had kind of glimpses of the Citadel and we you know there had been some stuff about the Federation as well. But now we're starting to see a lot more of the meat of the story. And um, you, I, I forget who it was. I might have been Aaron in an earlier episode of this podcast. You mentioned how. Um, Seeing some of this was like seeing the cigarette smoking man in X Files, and seeing mm. this recurring storyline that's happening. You know, you have your week to week stuff that's funny and uh, and really witty and great, but there's this underlying story and this underlying arc to everything that's kind of connecting everything, and that's really what I like. And I was a big X Files fan too, so that's really a, that was really a great uh, comparison in my mind. Yeah, I was I was watching some of the behind the scenes material on the the Blu-ray, and uh, I guess the the creators are they, they mentioned that this a lot of people say that this is their favorite. Uh, episode two. This is the uh, Rick and Morty fan equivalent of a slowly extending uh, <laughs> landing. What did they call that? The the fucking oh the the the, the they had that bridge a platform. The, what was the, it? The landing the, pr- ramp? the landing ramp yeah. that they yeah. slowly extended to, to get the the aliens worked up. And, and there there are so few morsels that we get of this larger universe from from Rick and Morty. You know, despite dimension hopping with all yeah. the portals, uh, the 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 sort of mythos stuff that I think every time we get a piece of it, it's it's like the most savory treat we've ever had. Yeah. Because I remember the, 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 one of the big questions we had was like, how does our society, how does a citadel of all Ricks and Morty actually work? And this is kind of an attempt to answer that. And I thought some of the ways they explain that society there's still not a lot of answers because they 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 raise as many as like okay all these ricks are equally intelligent why do you have a menial job rick and why do you have a 
you know, multimillionaire Willy Wonka Rick, but they, they do start to dig into that stuff. Yeah, they uh, they open, I think, pretty early in the episode, kind of showcasing that where they have, uh, you know, the one Rick on the bus taking mass transit and then he looks out the window and there's another Rick like in a sport a hover sports car, you know, eating caviar and mm-hmm. drinking champagne. <laughs> You're going to his job. It's like they're literally the exact same person. <laughs> But there's something that like I so they, they suggested like portal fluid. Um, I, I like the introduction of that idea because they, they talked about like Rick running low on a portal gun charge before. But also, I think that was a lie, you know, when he the 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 getting swifty episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's kind of like Spider-Man, you know, the one of the keys to his character is he's got the web shooters and occasionally he can run out of webbing. Uh, it's interesting that this is not just something that Rick's can run out of, but it seems like it's a tightly controlled substance on the Citadel. And you almost wonder, like, are these Rick's there of their own free will? Or is this like some kind of cult where it's like, oh, yeah, once you're here, you run out of portal gun fluid, you're stuck. And earning mm. more portal gun fluid, maybe that's only for the Willy Wonkers of the world. Um, but then there's other questions I had, like the all Morty strip club. <laughs> the creepy Morty. Yeah, the creepy Morty. Who was that, that, that catered to? Yeah, like it's like uh, the, when they had the bearded Morty, he's like, oh yeah, this is a good time. Oh yeah. And then they've got like the poster of the sexy Morty, but he's still wearing a yellow t shirt. And well, first of all, he's fucking Morty. He's not sexy. He's wearing his yellow t shirt and his jeans. It's, I, I just love how they just play completely straight that this is a thing that Mortys do. Right, like imagine, imagine if it was you, would you go to a strip club filled with yourself in different costumes i think i would have to are at you least asking, once are you asking me in a buffalo bill-esque way would i fuck me <laughs> y- yes yes i would now I, this this all makes sense of course of course i just didn't think morty was as, as egomaniac as i was i guess uh you know across the the multiverse and all the different versions you, you find you find a few that, uh, absolutely is there any like uh I guess are there any pet topics you want to talk about this episode because i want to get to the evil morty stuff obviously I think, you know, that's that was the big takeaway. I think that when I first watched this episode, uh, you know, I really liked it. I thought, you know, it, it was all really interesting. And then at the very end, you know, there's that final shot where you see everyone that's been ejected into space and you know, the, the documents kind of showing that it's evil Morty coming in front of camera. I think my jaw actually dropped open. And I was I think I said out loud, like, that was the best episode I've seen to date of, of Rick and Morty. I think the other interesting thing Maybe to, along those lines, the other interesting thing to kind of talk about is, for lack of a better term, like who's this deep throat Rick that gave campaign manager Morty the information? Mm-hmm. Like where did the where did the information about evil Morty come from, and why didn't a Rick do anything about it? Like there, there's just uh, again like X Files, there's all this conspiracy theory and these underlying questions that we kind of get a glimpse of, but you're just left to wonder. What's really happening here? Yeah, I wonder if like because also like Evil Morty is such a puppet master. Like, would he be above like leaking that information to cause this campaign manager Morty to, to assassinate him so he can ride that wave to uh, to to election victory? Like, it maybe he because you're right. How in the world would that get get out unless uh, it was an intentional leak so they could they, he could engineer the whole situation? Right. And now that you say that, I think the two Rick guards right before they eject Morty, they say that evil Morty won by such a narrow margin that it almost had to trigger a recount. So, you right. you know, maybe that was just like that last little push he needed to uh, to get enough votes to to secure uh, his position. Yeah. Yeah. Some real fucking Frank Underwood shit. We're going on, <laughs> going on here. 
Can I ask what may be the most introductory of questions about Evil Morty? Mm -hmm. Why do we call him Evil Morty? Is it simply because he strapped a bunch of himself to a dome I mean, and he's got stabbed the, him in the sides? He's got the he's got the eye patch. I think yeah, but it literally... seems to me like Evil Morty is doing uh, some exterminating of evil of his own mm. in this episode. Like all those people who are floating out in space, by my estimation, are evil themselves. Yeah, well, campaign manager Morty. Or because he, yeah. he just knew the truth. I think he was like he was a loose end that needed to be tied up, though. Yeah, yeah. And I guess maybe this is a little so, bias. I always look at campaign managers. It's kind of a little <laughs> dirty in general. <laughs> well, you're probably yeah. not not often wrong. Uh, I it, that's an interesting question because that's one of the theories is that Evil Morty is misnamed. Now, I before we begin, I uh, I don't know why this hasn't caught on, but I, I saw this term a, a time or two when I was doing my research. Instead of calling him Evil Morty, what if we call him Morty Artie? Okay. <laughs> Morty Artie. Because then it's like, I guess that's because that's like is, uh, Morty. Morty was definitely evil, but he is more of like he was the chief rival to Sherlock Holmes than than, you know, in any in individual I, scheme. But yeah, Morty I, I don't I that's so I, I thought it was funny and clever. And yet, nope, it doesn't seem like caught on. Maybe we can maybe we can make I, a catch on. I like that one. The other thing I see is and, we, you know, we're going to start going down a rabbit hole if we talk about this too long. But the other the other thing I see is people referring to him as possibly being the rickest Morty. Mm, or yeah. trying to figure out who the rickest Morty is and who the mortiest Morty is, and mm -hmm. if if Morty C one thirty seven is the mortiest Morty, the rickest Morty, or if Evil Morty is the rickest Morty, and like who's really who? Yeah, yeah, and that's like the the, the Jim's point that it's it's tough to say because as you, uh, it, it seems like that the the Citadel of Ricks is a pretty oppressive. Uh, society with like the Mortys in the permanent down position, but even amongst the Ricks, you know, there's definitely the haves and the haves nots. So like if you up in that system, is that particularly evil? Um, if the methods make it evil, like there's lots of good that's been done in history with like, you know, fairly evil, uh, mm -hmm. you know, real politic Machiavellian type of methods. Uh, that's interesting. Have you, have you guys heard the theory that the evil Morty is actually the original Morty? have heard this i've read that one yeah i think that's really interesting so so the whole bo the bones of this theory is rick uh disappeared out of beth's life for 20 years before he came back to start of the series and yet we've seen in brain scans from rick memories of him bouncing baby morty on his knee we saw in bird person's house nest uh, when we went to bird person's planet that there's a picture of rick holding morty as a baby we we talked about this when the when we covered the original Evil Morty episode, and my thought is, well, you know, maybe he's gone in the sense that he's out of their lives, but you know, he heard Beth had a baby, and he just stopped by in his space car one day and just you know got these pictures, and he, he's an he's still absent. You wouldn't say that he's back in your lives, but he just kind of blew through. But you know, the plainer explanation is that there's something else going on here. Um, yeah, because he was gone for 20 years, but Morty obviously is 14 years old, so the times just don't line up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's this theory that, like, Rick took an interest, that, in some timeline, Rick took an interest in Morty's life from a very young age and gave him the, uh, either, like, organically that he's smart because he's the son of, of Beth, who's the daughter of Rick, of course, uh, so either he had natural smarts that instead of putting him down and suppressing he encouraged with his like genius level kind of tutoring or maybe he just uh, distilled some kind of super smart 
uh, serum out of mega seeds, uh, and he turned Morty into like a genius on par of uh, of his own, and then that Morty uh, went evil. And like, there's like, uh, you know, there's all kinds of sub theories, but one the one of the more popular ones has it to like that this was like an Anakin uh, Obi Wan moment where like Rick had to put evil Morty down. And he left him for dead, and now this evil Morty is is out in the universe, uh, uh, trying to exact revenge. What are, What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's there's the the problem is that this show's so wide open that there's so many possibilities. You know, we've already seen examples of character of Rick's and Morty's leaving their own universe, like after uh, Rick sure. Potion number nine, where they, you know, Cronenberg up their world and they have to leave to another one to replace their body. So they're already, we already know that they can exist out of place and just assume other versions of themselves. So you know, if the timelines don't line up, it's possible that the Rick and Morty we know as, you know, C-137, that that Morty is from a different timeline that got brought into here or this Rick is you know from a different timeline which we know also is true so that what we know as evil Morty it could very well possibly be the actual Morty that started with the Rick we know as a protagonist of the show who was spurned along the lines that you said and is now seeking his revenge arc against our Rick C-137 yeah, I think the number one reason that I like that theory is because it's narratively satisfying. Yeah. I don't have a lot of evidence to back it up, but it feels good. Because like, what Rick says is like, you know, when uh, Morty gets, what is it, like too uh, too cocky, it can mm. lead to some real problems. And I'll tell you mm. about it when you get older. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and maybe this is common knowledge in Rick and that's Rick's amongst Rick's. And that's why they brutalize Morty's is to kind of keep that latent genius evil down. In uh, also, also, if I'm remembering right, in... I think it was in that close Rick Counters of the Rick Kind episode when Rick is trying to apologize to Morty or make amends with him. Doesn't he say something like, well, I'm the Rickest Rick. So it stands that you would be. And he kind of lets Morty finish on his own. And he says the Mortyest Morty. Like Rick doesn't actually say that. Right. He kind of so, like leads Morty to make that statement to kind of like pacify him. I will say that like when I read that part of theory, I'm like, this is a man that's not above erasing his grandson's memories. That's and true. Otherwise lying and manipulating him. It's like. That, that that that's like that's like um it turns on the idea that Rick's not willing to lie to Morty it seems like and I'm like ah but the other problem I have with it is or maybe am I the only one who has a problem with this is like well, this presu- I, I think, oh go ahead it, it, it's, it, I think it's part of the apology process like he's trying to build him up to make himself ah. feel better about himself just to keep him along you know he's not necessarily lying he's just trying to let Morty connect these dots on his own and and make him feel like he's smart even though Rick doesn't really probably care yeah and I mean there's like there's there's a lot of like you know kind of like genius ideas the fact that you know the evil morty uh mortyardi has engineered this problem where there's so many ricks that got murdered and then you know when rick uh all but destroyed the citadel uh you got this he's destabilized it and created this crisis of rickless mortys that don't have any supervision and you know like there's a there's a lot going for uh the the, the evil morty theory but the one that uh, the, the 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 one problem i have with evil Morty being Morty prime is it presupposes that Rick raised him up to be 14. And then like, does the time work out for that too? And then bailed on that project and then went back and came back a year later. Like, I I feel like that there's some kind of time jump and I don't think the show is doing time travel. Unless maybe he abandoned him. Let's say when he was 13 and then in that intervening year, 
Mortiarty, as you call him, went about and started developing his plans while Rick Prime entered the sh- the sh- what we know as the beginning of the TV show. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's interesting. I mean, that's the only way I could think it would possibly work. Like you said, I don't really know that they've done they've messed too much with time travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, that can like you know once if you're doing multiple dimensions and effortless time travel like good lord uh like i wouldn't i wouldn't envy the writers because like what at that point anything can happen at any time and uh i mean you've already kind of got that it'd just be doubling Mm -hmm. doubling that um what do you think of the idea that like some of the uh, some of those theories i saw about evil morty not being evil is that he's not searching for the most evil Rick, which is what the 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 evil Rick's kind of like cover story was in the first first episode. But he's kind of searching for like a Rick that actually loves and cares for his families. So he's trying to divide the Ricks that don't from the Ricks that do kind of like a, a virtuous Mr. Glass. You know, he's causing all these things to try to find the one the the opposite of him. And that but he so, and and this is a Morty that's engineering all these situations to try to find the Ricks that would love and accept their family that maybe that he's trying to remake Rick civilization in that image. It's possible. I, I never really liked the original evil Rick cover story that, you know, that he had kidnapped Rick C-137 and that his whole goal was to copy Rick's mind and then kill him. Like there right. was no other motivation to that. So it seems like there must have been another underlying real reason that this was going on that we, they, they really haven't even looked at or even addressed so um, that plays along with the campaign speech that Rick, I'm sorry, the campaign speech that Morty gave at the Citadel before he was elected saying he believed in the Citadel and he's trying to find the people who also think like him and believe like him because he thinks they outnumber those who don't think like them. So, you know, that, that kind of, it's not the exact same sentiment, but it's the same idea where you're looking for people who are positive and believe in these in these lofty goals versus the people who are naysayers. What do you think about the idea that uh, I saw this as a theory that um, evil Morty is actually a Rick that's either swapped brains with a Morty or has somehow transformed his, uh, his himself to make this where he looks like a, a Morty. And yeah, that, one of these ooh. theories is essentially simple. Rick is the, uh, is actually housing a Morty brain. I don't know, because like we talked about this, I don't think Simple Rick's dumb, or Doofus Rick is dumb. Yeah, Doofus Rick, that's right. Yeah, that's I said Simple called, Rick. Uh, simple Doofus Rick is in this episode. Yeah, yeah. They, they said that like the, the Morty, the, the, a Rick swapped brains with the Morty, the brain-swapped Rick is Doofus Rick, and the brain-swapped Morty is Evil Morty. But wouldn't Doofus Rick be aware of that, or unable to to maintain a cover story? Yeah, like, yeah. Give him, yeah. If a Morty was pretend, pretending to be a Rick, I think other Ricks would see through that a lot more. Like the other Ricks look down on Doofus Rick. Right. But, you know, they still acknowledge that he is a Rick. You know, they still take him along when they do things. They don't realize that he's a Morty pretending to be a Rick. But they do kind of blend there. There's the. So I, I have the same kind of problems because I, number one, I don't think Doofus Rick is stupid. Mm-hmm. I think he's like, you know, maybe virtuous and, and good, but he's not dumb. I mean, he can, he can create a, a bang up uh, batch of instant brownies. Um, <laughs> right, but like in this episode, they have uh, Tall Morty, which is essentially just uh, some kind of brain impaired Rick. So, is is he actually a brain impaired Rick, or is he some kind of Morty variant? What? what? Hmm. I mean, I, I read it as he's just you know pretty uh, 
a good sight more uh, deviations off the finite curve than most of them. Or maybe got kicked in the head by a space mule or something. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> and he's actually a Rick. I don't, I don't see any reason to believe he's a Morty. When I'm looking at these theories, I'm always looking at them through the lens of the evidence for them. Yeah. And and it's fun to speculate. I get that. But like, you got to have something to back up the speculation, and I'm not quite seeing it for the Rick and Morty swap. Yeah, and... What did the, the uh, go, talking about the tall Morty for a second? What the professor refers to him as something first? Like, what did he call him? Think, stupid I Rick? Think he started to go stupid Rick, and he goes, I, "I mean, tall Morty." Yeah, yeah. So I kind of feel like he is a Rick. Like the the instructor would know if he was really gotcha. a brain swapped Morty. Uh, all right, here's here. Let me let me run this one by you. It's kind of related to the brain swap, but um, evil Morty is a version of Morty who discovered the Morty's mind blowers. Snuck down there and loaded all of Rick's knowledge and memory into himself. Mm. And there's an alternate theory that's basically that, except for it's an accident that Summer got the conf- the instructions confused and accidentally put Rick's knowledge and, and memories inside of a Morty shell during like a scenario. What is like what they she says? Is this a, a scenario four? During a scenario right. four, does she did that? And now you've got a, a Morty going with all of the intelligence and experience of a Rick. So, in so his this body. would be the Morty that you would call justifiably pissed Morty. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's also you like you talk about evil Morty trying to get like being created as a result of like a Morty's mind blowers kind of situation uh-huh, where uh-huh. he gets all of the the memories. Well, the original evil Rick story. In the previous episode, the close uh, Rick counters of the Rick kind, they the whole reason they captured Rick C one thirty seven was to download his memories and then kill him. So it's kind of the, kind of the same thing where in the end he's still after those memories and still after that knowledge. So I I kind of dismissed that as a cover story before you know when we were talking a little earlier. Yeah. But now that you say this, like oh well maybe that is the reasoning. Maybe he is trying to acquire all of the knowledge of um, all of the different Ricks. Yeah, he's like, it's not enough to have the one Rick. He needs all Ricks. So, sort of like he's reclaiming his own memories, too, in that process. Oh, see, I wasn't thinking that he's actually reclaiming his memories. It's more of like, you know how they get the emergency backup memory, like like the, 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 the summer restores them from some emergency backup memory that instead of just like an mm-hmm. individual memory, it'd be like literally all of Rick installed on him. And now so he's like, like a, a drug addict wanting, you know, it's like, it's not just enough for my Rick. I got to get all the Ricks. And like, just, he gets more and more powerful the more of them he absorbs. That's kind of cool. Mm. So it's a, cool. uh, yeah, it's kind of like um, that Jet Li movie, The One. Was that what it was called? Yeah. Where he, he goes through all the different realities, killing all of the different versions of himself so that the remaining ones become more and more powerful. <sighs> yeah. It's like a I, Highlander situation. Yeah. yeah. I was say, it's been like 20 years since i think i've seen that movie so like i'm a little hazy on it but yeah yeah I yeah can, I, I I saw, the last time i saw it was in, when it premiered in the theater too it's been a while uh the most underwhelming theory i've read is that evil morty is just a robot it's kind of like we've seen that there are perfect cybernetic clones of like you know morty and summer and and rick offered to build one for beth and this is essentially one of those robots that successfully fought uh being shut down and it's a it's a westworld morty situation does have those wires hanging out of its eyes in the first uh, chunk of this episode? And we did see we did see a country western Morty in the in the creepy Morty. <laughs> oh West yeah, that's Morty right. confirmed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think we saw we saw that cowboy Morty the first time they go to the Citadel because I remember doesn't Morty point him out? He goes, "Oh, oh wow, yeah. look, a cowboy Morty." I thought he was dancing uh, on stage though. This because yeah, he this, had the fake gun. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he had these. No, these guns are fake. You know, yeah, he, the, he was back on this one. Yeah. 
Um, that, I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the robot theory because also the evil Rick also had wires coming out of his eyes too. Oh yeah, and, and then they, sure. they cut open his head. And, you know, he's got all the, yeah. the 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 receiver implants in there, and they they say, oh, you know, he's actually a Rick, but they just uh, put that receiver on him. He's being controlled remotely. Plus, if Morty's right. a robot, it's just like. There's not a lot of emotional hook to that. It's just he's just a, a one of Rick's creations run amok versus like, you know, his actual grandson who has surpassed mm-hmm. him in some way. And he has to be defeated by the actual Rickest Rick and the Mortyest Morty. Yeah, I like Morty being an actual Morty. Yeah, yeah. It'd, be a, it'd be a great showdown for season 10 or whatever the hell they're going to get to. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other the, the final one that I saw was the idea that, you know, get the central finite curve which implies that maybe on the exact opposite side of that finite curve, you've got a reality where all Ricks are dumb and kind of milk toast and browbeaten and all Mortys are super genius uh, type A's and the evil, evil Morty is essentially the Mortyest Morty from the opposite side of that central finite reality mm. curve. So some real like Jedi and Sith stuff. <laughs> exactly. Which I, that's part of the reason, I mean, that's part of the reason I don't like it because you, you still lose that, you know, the, the the whole pathos of this comes from that this is a Morty and it's a Morty in a way that we can, like maybe he's a Morty and he's got pumped full of mega seed serum or he's a Morty that's gotten all of the memories of Rick, but he, you know, at, at his core level, he is a uh, uh, a recognizable Morty type figure. Yeah, I guess yeah. You want him to be a souped-up version of the regular Morty that you've known all along. Like I guess that just makes it more compelling. Yes, exactly. Because otherwise, like if you get it too far removed from the Rick and Morty dynamic, then it's like it it loses its meaning for Rick and it loses its meaning for Morty, which means it loses its meaning for us as the viewers. Right. Then it could just be any villain. It doesn't matter that it's a Morty. It's just oh, it's just another being who's super intelligent. Right. Um, do you think that we'll have another evil Morty plot or another shoe from the evil Morty, uh, a, a plot drop in season four, or are they going to do like the previous where we, I'd almost forgotten about evil Morty by the time evil Morty showed up in season three. Yeah. I think the first evil Morty episode was in season one. Right. And then he yeah. had two. No, he only had that one in season three. That's right. So mm-hmm. it, had been, it had been a long time. Yeah. I think th- they might draw it out. How, I forget how many seasons they were renewed for. but Seven. I, yeah, I remember it being quite a bit. So they might take their time with it. Yeah, because it's like one of the things where it's like, I, and I, this always is something that comes out in their commentaries and their interviews is that they are very leery of wearing out. A, this reason like they haven't brought Mesix back except for the background, even though people lose their shit if they heard that there's another Mesix episode. It's like... You got to kind of like space that out because you got too much evil. It's kind of like the Borg with Star Trek. Like the first like one cube takes over the whole Federation. And by the time Voyager comes around, Janeway's beating him five at a time. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like they become a joke. Um, And you don't want evil Morty to become a joke. No, no, not at all. Uh, I think, you know, really take your time. It goes back to that... uh that analogy you made, I think it was so appropriate with uh, Cigarette Smokey Man from X-Files. He was so sparingly used, but anytime he was on screen or anytime there was a, a reference to him, it was always very, in my mind at the time, it was always very important and I had to pay attention to what was going on. And uh, they definitely didn't overuse him. And I, I, I think that they'll probably take a similar tact here where, you know, like you said, they don't want him to become a joke. They want it to be something that's taken seriously anytime that, uh, that he's around. 
Oh man, I mean, like, yeah, it's 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 going to cause such a buzz. Like, whatever the traffic on the Rick and Morty subreddit is, normally it's going to be ten times that the, the day an Evil Morty episode drops because people are going to be jumping in on that theory crafting, just like we yeah. are. <laughs> uh, Gustavo, I really appreciate you coming on. It's a lot of fun talking Rick and Morty with you. Um, if people want to find out more about Rooster Teeth, Red versus Blue, uh, the Rooster Teeth podcast, where can you be found and followed at? Uh, I recommend people check out roosterteeth.com or uh, go to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash roosterteeth. And if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Cirola. Just my last name. Gustavo Cirola, thank you. And I'll, I'll link all that stuff in the show notes. Gustavo, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. It was fun to talk. Jim, it's time once again to plot to the future, of course, where we open our portal guns and tune them to Dimension BM-77, accessing behind-the-scenes details, trivia, spoilers for future episodes. What you got? What you got? What you got? What you got? got? There's there's some interesting information. It seemed like this was a tough one to write because I don't... (laughs) You you don't say. (laughs) Yeah, I get the impression that Dan didn't quite understand what they were going for because this idea of a a Citadel episode Mm -hmm. was kind of... Uh, some of the other writers came up with it and they had been noodling around with it and they came to him and they said, hey, we got this idea for the Citadel episode and he hasn't really like seen any of the movies that they were sort of basing all the genre stuff on and he eventually realized it's very important that we nail this genre because if not, there's there are no jokes here. <laughs> like yeah. the joke is how well we nail this genre. Uh, and so it seemed like a really difficult one to write. I know he said the the beginning of it was very like took a week to write that cold open. Yeah, which, it, the, the the breakthrough he had is where he realized that like what they're going for is the city itself is the character. Yeah, like it's not important to nail any one particular character, and we don't even have the Rick and Morty that we care about here. But all these things are telling certain aspects of the true character, which is the mm-hmm. Citadel itself. Yeah, they mentioned movies like Love Actually, or I was even thinking like Crash is one of those kind of movies mm-hmm. um, where, you know, the, the plots don't really connect, but the, but they sort of do thematically. Yeah, they're like the Training Day, Network, uh, all uh, kind of like these kind of pressure cooker, societal change type of mm-hmm. uh, things that they're doing. And and he, he did say this, like, so he, he said that the joke is that we're going to nail Yeah. The, the the references and I see that'd be scary for him if he's not familiar yeah. with it but it turns out they fucking did like uh-huh. all of these different pastiches they tried to do they all kind of worked and the other thing that's shocking to me is that they didn't have the idea to tie this into the evil Morty plot line until almost the end of development how like I, well, first of all like how did you get this done when yeah that's the case but like who comes in at the 11th hour and be like what if Canon Morty's evil Morty uh-huh. and it's surprisingly few because everything works like this is canon Morty dismissing his campaign manager because he doesn't believe in him i'm like mm-hmm. I, f- I fucking seen that in like three or four different things i think most recently on uh one of the earlier seasons of house of cards like we've all seen this shit probably happened on the west wing in like completely benevolent situations and like winning that yeah. guy over and winning the skeptical morty on is this the the first step to winning the election and 
it all, and then Morty being assassinated, the candidate Morty being assassinated, everything just kind of works as straight up. And until you get to that one boardroom scene yeah. with all of the titans of industry, Rick, kind of trying to call the shots, it's it's really because I, I do believe it. Because like if you take that out, you no one would ever say to Canon Morty is is evil Morty. You know, sure. there's, there's nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's, you don't it's just see- a slice of life kind of thing, right? Yeah. Instead of being something tied to the canon, some larger mystery. Yeah. And which also, you know, it's like that also starts connecting all the previous vignettes in a very ominous way. Because, yeah. like, why did they switch from simple Rick cookies to Freedom Select? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if you don't really, if you're a populist candidate that doesn't have a lot of answers... Maybe you can sell the emotional effect of having answers. Like, you know, you can't give Ricks their individual freedom, but you can give them that taste uh-huh. to keep them controlled, to keep them, the, the, to keep them uh, from, uh, from, you know, doing the things that Ricks would do in that situation. And this is the perfect time to bring back, I think, that evil Morty, because yeah. when you, when you talk about the Citadel and, you know, the, it, it was already destroyed once before. So now it's kind of like remade, but in evil. Evil Morty has a home base, I guess, is what I'm getting at now. Right, right. Like you can, you can say this is his platform from which to launch his. He's got some real plan. power now, and and, yeah. and as opposed to being in hiding and doing all this in secret, he can now kind of move openly because he's got such yeah. And so we don't have to, might. I guess, it, by combining those two ideas, we don't have to have another episode where we sort of establish what's been mm-hmm. going on with Evil Morty. We just kind of get a two for one here, which. I thought it worked really. It somehow well. it's like they elevate the the evil Morty plot, but they also and advance it, but also not like they still have uh-huh. a clean table. Like, what does real yeah. evil Morty want? I don't know. What's <laughs> his motivations? Who? What's his history? What's his background? No one knows. Yeah. But it does look like they feels like they moved the ball ahead 30, 30 <laughs> yards down the field. But it's essentially a sequence of lateral passes. So, yep. uh, I that's amazing. One of the one of the funny things about being a Harmontown fan is seeing like all the different things that tickle uh, Dan on his show that make it into Rick and Morty. Oh yeah. And in the 2016 era, uh, Jeff Davis, who's the comptroller in that show, s- starts doing these weird Sam Elliott impersonations. <laughs> Like for commercials and stuff that he'll just do is these these improv gags and Jeff Davis was hired to do his Sam Elliott shtick to sell Simple Rick brand cookie wafers. Nice. Uh, so I th- when when I when I first heard that I I had a big smile. Speaking of 2016 era, so there's uh-huh. there's something that Dan says mm. in this commentary that struck me as it shocked me, frankly, uh, if it's in fact true. Um, he was talking about how, you know, he, he makes the joke at the end how this is a fascist, populist president and evil Morty. Um, and yet he claims that he had zero intention when they wrote this of tying it in any way to the current political climate in America. Which surprised me, given that this episode came out in September 2017. Mm-hmm which is a long time after that started becoming relevant. So so to think maybe they were writing this before that is a bit of a stretch. But maybe, I know the development was a long time on this season. It was season. like, what, two and a half years development? So if they started... And I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, he's not straight up lying. But then l- later he's just like, we don't we don't give a fuck. We just want you to watch the show and buy the slippers. <laughs> which yeah, I, so... I feels like is, Dan, very much. The, 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 the truth of the matter is, I think also Dan's changed a lot. Like, um, uh, you know, I would say... 
you know, previous to 2016 election, Dan, he was aggressively apolitical or hmm. pox on both houses. He was very classical liberal, pro maximum individual freedom uh, at the expense of like maybe conforming to society. And I think that he really sobered up uh, with the events of the last few years. So it's like that <laughs> could you could be hearing echoes of that, like uh, proto uh, kind of like because uh, because he moved from that like uh, classical liberal libertarian to pretty left leaning Democrat in a pretty pretty fucking hurry uh, it is a pretty hairpin turn character turn uh, in the last couple of years <laughs> so like it could be like and I also think that him and Justin when they started working on Rick and Morty the last thing that they had on their mind was oh. saying anything about politics in America yeah, for sure yeah uh, so it could be like that leftover sentiment I also I don't know. I don't know what I don't have a nearly as a window into Justin and what he thinks yeah. like you know politically um, and 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 whatnot. So like it could be that he's trying to like maybe bridge the gap between how he feels and his partner. And also I just think yeah he's as as events. I mean shit I've been kind of radicalized. Uh, I think the whole country has yeah yeah on, and, and on one way or side. another like yep. there's very few people sitting on the fence. So i i don't know i mean i take him at his word i i just it surprised me yeah you know given what i knew about that era yeah yeah um but i also think that that's the other thing absolutely is true is that i think dan in a million years didn't think that trump would actually win <laughs> so like if this thing got written anywhere before, before november 2016 it could didn't. be like ah who wants to make it about this it's gonna be so fucking dated let the south park guys do this yeah because yeah. this does work in universe uh, it doesn't need to be tied to any particular era. It's kind of like 1984 mm -hmm. where you can look at it in many, many different prisms and see like criticism here, criticism there. Um, so yeah, it, it also could be that it just it got that it wasn't intended as that. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, the other notable thing about this episode is it's almost a hundred percent Justin. Uh, you've got Jeff, Jeff B. Davis doing a Sam Elliott shtick. Oh, and you've right. got, I think a single line that a child Beth says, and okay. every other voice you hear in this is Justin Roiland. Holy shit. Ooh, that's a lot of voice work. He, he must've had what? just a raw throat at the end of that. Yeah. Well, he's talked about like how he had to do all the subtle, and there's a lot of like really broad stuff like farmer Rick. God, yeah. are you damn night and wear this hat and commit to this rural care? Uh, and and you know the nature of Morty Town, the nature of the Citadel allows him to do because uh, you know if it's just a a, a quote unquote normal Rick mm -hmm. or normal Morty, he just does Rick and Morty. Yeah. Like if there's something fucked up about it, it's like oh Fishman Morty. Okay, I'll put a little phlegm in my voice <laughs> or Lizard Morty. I got a big tongue. I got to talk about mm -hmm. it, it, him talking about his process of how he did all those uh, different Morty voices. I thought was uh, was pretty funny. Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Manayron, from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at baldmove. See you next time.
Come home to the unique flavor of shattering the grand illusion. Come home to Simple Rick.